Good morning, happy Sabbath. I'm excited to be here. So I enjoyed the special music and I wanted to say happy birthday to my little buddy Kevin. It's his birthday, right? Nisia. Sorry, happy birthday to Nisia. I got it confused. You'll take it? <laughs> I'm going to pray silently and then pray corporately and then we'll go right into the message for today. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for bringing us here. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to worship with one another. Lord, as we talk about a small forecasting of the plan of salvation, we ask that it makes an impact on both our hearts and minds and makes us motivated to share with others. In Jesus' name. How about now? So, I've selected a subject based on one of the things I enjoyed reading about as a kid, right? Um, the story of Noah and the Ark was one that was kind of interesting to me. And when I got a little bit older and I was, you know, out in the world, I was a little bit old, um, probably around 20, 21, 22, I started to discover that there are flood stories in every culture. You guys are aware of that? There's over 200 flood stories, and there's a flood story that is in every single culture. And I remember the first time I heard about stuff like the Epic Gilgamesh and the similarities with the flood story, and I thought it was interesting that um, my friends who were atheists would say, hey, look, those are all fables. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me, right? If there's 200 iterations of this story and there's variances, it's not a sign that it's a fable. It's a sign that people are seeing it from a different perspective. But I thought it was quite interesting. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting is there's three things that I think is universal to almost every culture, right? There's the concept of Sabbath, right, in every language. You know, there's a word that is like sabado or you know, some other word that is Sabbath. Um, many societies talk about eating pork and not in a positive light. You have, for example, Jews as well as Muslims that can't agree on anything and they all agree on don't eat pork. <laughs> and then finally, the story of the flood. So, Ellen White starts off and she says that um, when man got ushered out of the Garden of Eden. When they got ushered out of the Garden of Eden, they started to become more and more depraved. Their character started to slip. But she says that longevity, if you think about it, right, around the same time of the flood, you have Methuselah, who's the longest living man, lived to how long? 969, right? And so, 
you have people who are living longer, their intellect was still close, and she talks about, you know, in this case, the trees, right? She says, even in the days of Noah, double curse was resting upon the earth, right? So remember, the earth was cursed twice. In the consequences of Adam's transgression and the murder of Cain, yet this had not greatly changed the face of nature. So the earth is double cursed, right? But nature is still staying around the same, which was surprising to me when I read it because I thought about it and I'm like, wait. When I thought about the flood or Noah's days, I thought these were backwards people and there was thistles and thorns and they were having a hard time with it. And she said, no, 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 no. There were evident tokens of decay, but the earth was still rich and beautiful and the gifts of providence. And so not only is she describing the earth that way, we know that man was taller. So they were probably taller and they were still attractive and they had this high energy and they were living long, but their character was devolving. And it made me think, right? Imagine living 800 years, 700 years, and you are bent towards sin. You know, you're still as strong and it's still as smart as you've always been but you're bent towards sin. Imagine what you will be able to accomplish. Um, so much so, at the end of the flood, right, going to the Tower of Babel, they were building the tower, and God said what? What man sets their mind to do, they will do. Right? He didn't say, hey, they're not going to make it to heaven via the tower. He's like, they set their mind to do it. It will be accomplished. And so it hits me. When we are disconnected from the source, being God. Our character decays or devolves faster than our longevity and our intelligence. Does that make sense? You're disconnected from God, but we start to erode. And so as we, we start off, I look at Genesis 5. Around Genesis 5, 22 to 24, you have all of the genealogical stuff that's taking place. In 21, Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. After he begat Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years, and he had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch was 300 and 65 years, and, God, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not. Why? Because God took him. God enjoyed the communion with Enoch so much that he took him. And now you're in Genesis 6, just short span away, and he's like, man, I can't believe I made man. God is looking down, and he's seeing man who was created in his own image, and he can't recognize him. Does that make sense? He's looking down, peering out of heaven, and he's looking at mankind. He's like, I can't recognize 
what looks like, like my image. And so God comes up with a plan. And so the plan, Genesis 6, 12 to 13. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, and all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy the earth. And then he gives him the plan. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Ellen White actually says the wood at that point in time was still hard. And it was difficult to cut. So cutting down wood wasn't like cutting down wood today because the street, trees were still as strong as when God made them. So it was a workout. Go for wood. Make rooms in the ark and convert it. Cover it in and out with pitch. And so God then lays out this entire plan. He can do it. And then he says in Genesis 18, 22, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall go in the ark, you, your sons, your wife, your sons' wives with you. And for every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark. At the time of God giving Noah this, how many kids did he have? Three? He had none. When you sit back and you do the math, the flood began when Noah was 600. Sorry, I'm going to make you do some math this morning. But Elisha is going to love it if he's around. Um, the flood began when Noah was 600. He was called to preach. He preached for 120 years. You'll get that out of Genesis 6.3. At 480, he began to preach. Noah did not have his first kid until he was 500, according to Genesis 5.32. So Noah is preaching to a group of people who are denying the existence of God, saying that God is going to save us. He's going to save not only me, he's going to save my kids and my wife. And he didn't have kids for 20 years. They thought he was crazy. Not only did they think he was crazy because of that, they thought he was crazy because they've never seen rain. If you go biblically, right, there was dew that would come out of the earth, and most uh, Christians will know this, there was dew coming out of the earth, but the concept of rain was foreign to them. And then the concept of building an ark, something that was going to be this giant structure, was unusual because they didn't have to travel that far. And so you have the idea of the ark, the dimensions of the ark. They said it was going to be a cubit. Anybody knows what a cubit is? Sorry, I'm giving a lot of background stuff. Cubit is about 18 inches, right? But we already, it's from here to here. I'm about to go there. But if he's taller, the 18 inches dimensions for a cubit would have been a lot longer. And so if you think about it, if you use Colin's arm, which is a little bit shorter, it would have been about 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and about 45 feet tall. 
So it would have been enough to stack, at my height, 422 railroad cars inside of it and fill it. And he's building this thing now in the middle of dry land. The scientists of the day would have said, Noah is a nut. So now, he's building the ark. God has given him the directions. He's preaching. Noah's mission, right, to build the ark. Extra uh, biblical sources says that before Noah, or right when Noah finished building the ark, Methuselah, whose name ironically is, when you break it out, when it die, when I die, judgment will begin, dies seven days before Noah goes into the ark. So anyone here realize that Lamech and Methuselah preached the entire time with Noah? telling the gospel. And seven days before they enter the ark, they go into it. So now he's in this big structure with one door, the window's way at the top, and Noah and his family, who are sons and his wives, finally are there. They go into the structure with all of these animals, and the door is closed. When I moved to Michigan, sidebar, my wife and I were going to drive to Grand Rapids to go see my brother. And when we were driving, we drove through Ionia. And we were like, what is that? I see some people laughing. Chicken farms. They have an interesting odor. And all I can imagine is Noah, who looks crazy, is now inside of a large boat, ark, with food chock full of animals with only one window at the very top, gasping for air for seven days before they see the first raindrop falls. And so when the Bible talks about, in the New Testament, about the scoffing we understand why they're scoffing at Noah. So, more math. I can give you more math. Um, Methuselah, I said he dated to 969. If you look, when he was 187, Lamech was born. When he was 369, Noah was born. Methuselah would have been 849 when Noah began preaching, 849 plus 120 years, it will show you that it will take you right to 969. Practical application. One of the reasons why we selected this church when we came down was this church is similar to a Noah-like experience. We're in the middle or at the edge of MSU's campus. And those kids want nothing to do with God. But we were impressed 
that this church was a lighthouse to MSU's campus. And if some people are nodding, we were also interested in that, um, you know, we're, we're Seventh-day Adventists, right? And so we're weird. No, no different than Noah, right? People think we're unusual, right? We, we eat differently, right? Um, think about it. We eat veggie links, <laughs> right? We're, a lot of us are vegetarian. We, we don't drink wine or alcohol for the most part. How we speak is unique in this world today, isn't it? What we watch, the programming we watch, television that we watch, we're unique. How we dress, the things we listen to, we're unique. And to a certain degree, people are going to think we're crazy. But as the days of Noah, so shall the last days be. I was interested when I was studying this thing out that there is a type anti-type of Noah and the ark and Jesus and us. Have you guys ever, ever thought about that? So, Jesus is brought to the temple in the book of Luke, Luke 2.25. And he says, now that I've seen him, he can do what? He can die. Methuselah sees the ark built. And he dies. The scoffing takes place, but the ark is a provider in Noah's day of grace. And Jesus is the provider of grace today. The design of the ark is revealed to Noah. He didn't have to come up with it. And the plan of salvation is revealed to us, and we don't have to come up with it. There is only one door to the ark, and Jesus says, I am the door, John 10, 9. We're all invited in, but we're all supposed to all invite people in. And the security of the ark, the closing of the door, was done by God himself. And the security in our salvation is done with us in Jesus Christ himself. That last one, I, I always think about it, right? I was talking to a coworker at work, and I said a relationship is a bubble. He's like, no, Colin, you're absolutely wrong. It's a pie. I'm like, no, 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 hear me out. It's a bubble. It's a bubble. I said, I'm going to use Gary and I, between Gary and I, there's a bubble. And he manages his half of the bubble, and I manage my half of the bubble. And we can try. I can try as hard as I can to make sure that the bubble between him and I remains intact. 
But what happens if someone pushes too hard? The bubble pops. Our relationship with Jesus is like a, a bubble. And he can't push harder than we push. But if we work together, that bubble stays intact, and we will find ourselves in the ark of safety, regardless to how crazy we may look to the others around us. The appeal this morning is really simple. The ark experience was there to bring people on the boat, of course, and so people can be saved. But it was there to develop Noah's character. Are you aware that evangelism develops your character? Are you aware that evangelism develops your character? I'm seeing some head nodding. No, it doesn't. Evangelism develops your character. And evangelism does something else. It develops relationships, doesn't it? When Jesus comes back, what are the two things that we leave with? Our character? And if we've worked hard enough, our relationships, everything else is going to be new, right? I see some head nodding, right? Everything else is going to be new. So I heard all this morning about evangelism, Ingham County, doing this, doing that. But the reality is, Noah preached for 120 years because he realized if he didn't do it, he wasn't going to develop his character and have the relationships that he had after the flood. I'm not going to ask you to do anything with Ingham County, or maybe I should, but what I will ask you is, who here wants to develop a character like Christ? And the only way to do that, if the only instrument to do that is telling your friends about Christ, or seeing them in heaven, who here wants to do that? Father in heaven, Lord, you've seen the hands that were raised. We ask that you do whatever it takes to destroy the things in us that are not like you and make us draw closer to you and have the character that you want us to have. But also, Lord, we ask that, that we're not just worried about what our personal situation is. We're worried about our relationships as well with our family and friends, co-workers or whoever have you. And we ask, Lord, that you give us divine appointments where we're able to share just a little bit about you so we can help refine their characters and have a closer relationship with them so we can be with them forever. In Jesus' name.